Good morning. My name's Anthony, uh, if we don't know each other. Um, <clears throat> you know, when I, when I first heard that hymn years and years ago, I, uh, I thought it was a bit weird. Um, I didn't know kind of what was going on there. We were praying about golden beams and moons and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I think that when I, when I heard that, what I failed to appreciate and what that hymn helps me appreciate is that the entire created order is meant to sing in praise to the God who makes the world. And I am part of that created order. I'm a creature. It's, a, it's tempting to make much of ourselves and to think um, that, you know, it's basically the story's all about me. What does God want me to sing? But I'm actually just joining in the chorus of what the entire world was made to sing. So uh, I always think that hymn is a lovely, lovely reminder. And, um, and now also when, my, when Ryan was born, my oldest was born, uh, she, we were moving to South Africa when she was six months old and we were trying to figure out how to get her to sleep. Um, and we made a, a playlist on, on the iPod and that, David Crowder's version of that was on there. And we would play that every night in South Africa uh, to get her to go to sleep and carried that into when we came back as well. And now that song, she remembers that song somehow from when she was like 18 months old. That even it'll come on and she'll say, I, that song was on the music. Um, so, and then she just falls asleep. She just immediately just um, This morning we are starting a series, uh, six weeks in the parables of Jesus. And uh, we, do you have that graphic? Because it, it's a helpful illustrator. No, not that, that. Um, so the way that, that parables are meant to work is that they're simple stories but they're conveying bigger messages. Uh, they, they are saying something that oftentimes, kind of like poetry that you can hear at face value, but you're meant to go, go away and sort of chew on them and stew on them a little bit, and then the, the meaning kind of unfolds in your mind and in your heart. Jesus is actually a, a genius storyteller. He's a genius teacher. Because these parables, there's nothing complicated about them. They're very simple plots. We're going to read a couple today. They're just a few sentences long. But they, they drop in your subconscious like a, like a lead weight sinking to the bottom and just sort of blowing up there. Uh, so this is simple stories that Jesus uses to teach us big things. And when he's teaching the parables, he's leading them off generally about, by saying the kingdom of God is like... So the whole focus is to, these next six weeks, focus on the nature of the kingdom of God. And specifically, we are, we are coming at it from a missional angle. What is God teaching His church about the nature of the kingdom so that as we who participate in His kingdom might uh, be have the right frame of reference in mind and have the right expectations, might have maybe be challenged and confronted by the nature of the kingdom. 
And it's important to remember as well that when we're talking about the kingdom of God, we're talking about God's rule and reign carried out in the church. So we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago, that the the way that you know that you've moved to a different kingdom, to a different governance, a different land, is not by the geography, it's, it's what government is in power. So Jesus is proclaiming the growing and advancing governance of God, saying that it's here, it's among you, but it's also, it's also growing as well, so it's not fully here. Uh, just as an encouragement to you, an invitation, we are linking what we do on Wednesday nights in our small groups to what we'll be talking about this semester. So what we'd hope is that you'd come on Sunday, then you'd go, on a, go to a small group on a Wednesday, and where you would be working this out in your life. We want as little as possible for people to come to church on Sunday and then say, well, that was fun, and then just delete in their brain and then move on and do what they want. We want the Word to be grounded into our life. So if you're not part of one of our small groups, uh, we'd invite you to come. We'd love to have you, and we can help you find one. They meet Wednesdays from about 6 to 7.45. All right, let me read this from Mark 4. So Mark 4, starting at... Verse 26, and he, Jesus, said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, and once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is, grown, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we look to you as the king of the kingdom, the kingdom bringer. God, we pray that our hearts would be open to these parables that you've told. We pray that our hearts would be open to being shaped, to being transformed by your word. God, help us to take faith in you, to trust you, to do what you set out to do. Help us to be faithful participants. Soften our hearts, God. Let the word pierce us and shape us and change us so that we can better live out this kingdom life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So these are two very short parables. Very short. They barely even seem like stories. They're they're more observations about the way the natural world works, this agricultural world that Jesus is living in more than we are in our world But he has these two images from agriculture where one is a seed is put in the ground and it slowly grows without any kind of building or direction from the farmer. And then there's also the other image of this very tiny seed that's put in the ground and grows into something much larger than it. And Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And Jesus will say this many times throughout the parables. This is what the kingdom of God is like. 
And this morning, as I, as I considered these parables for the, the past week or so, and how I thought about us and our church and what God calls us to, to, to participate in the growing of His governance in the world, I wanted to just point out three things about these parables and the way the kingdom grows so that you would be encouraged and maybe that you would be challenged in what your expectations are. So the kingdom, I would say the first thing that we can take away from these two parables is that the kingdom grows humbly. And this is contrary maybe to our expectations. The people of Jesus' day expected the kingdom to come with power, with great fanfare, and to come in and ride in in a blaze of glory that would be extremely noticeable. But the kingdom that Jesus preaches and inaugurates with his life, it comes in a way that completely subverts their expectations. And what I would encourage you is that I don't think that that is different than the way that God grows the kingdom now. The kingdom often grows in, by humble means. The kingdom is often expanded in our own lives and in the lives of the people around us by, by small and consistent acts of quiet service, quiet glory, quiet kindness that oftentimes goes unnoticed. And, and we are taught by our culture to look for what is biggest, what is loudest, and therefore that thing is the best thing. But the kingdom doesn't work that way. And in fact, the way that Jesus lives his life and conducts his ministry is an affirmation that the kingdom grows humbly because of the kind of people that he chooses to be his friends, to be the first heralds of the kingdom. These are all people who are not the superstars of their day. They are the kind of people who are unnoticeable. If they are noticeable, it's because they're gross, like tax collectors, but Jesus, by and large, chooses ordinary professional people. In, in Jesus' time, the, the country was kind of divided north and south, sort of similar to the way ours is. And the southern part of Israel and around Jerusalem were where the, where the elites were. Everything, political power, intellectual power, theological power, everything was centered around Jerusalem. It makes sense in the story of Israel. And in that surrounding region of Judea, everything, the, the important people were there in the south. But Jesus was not born, he did not grow up, he did not spend his time in Judea. He would go back and forth to Jerusalem, he'd be there for a little bit, but then he would leave. By and large, the time that he spent in the world was in Galilee, was in the northern region, was where all the rednecks were. These are all the people that were not well-educated. These are the people who are far away from the centers of power. These are where all the common people are. In fact, he grows up in a town, Nazareth, that is barely mentionable. It, there's nothing special about Nazareth at all. It's a little tiny nothing town in a region of forgotten people. And he, he takes up with people who are people who are invested in normal trades, fishermen. He gets into the family fishing business, it seems. And there are, it's not like they're fishing conglomerate where it's like, oh wow, those guys, the fishing powerhouses. They are they are one, two, three of dozens and dozens and dozens of fishermen. 
There's nothing really remarkable or special about how Jesus lives his life or the people that he calls. They are humble people, and these are humble means. And the clearest example of how Jesus is given over to this strategy of humble growth is the fact that Jesus was born as a baby. Jesus does not come into the story in the Gospels riding in on a horse saying, the king is here, the kingdom is coming. He's born in a humble place as a child who needs his diaper changed, who spits up on his mom, the whole nine yards. So the kingdom from the beginning of Jesus' life is marked by this kind of humility. Now we today forget that. We think the kingdom is mostly marked by power. We think that the kingdom is mostly marked by flash and popularity. But that's because we are often improperly formed, we are malformed by our culture to expect that God would work the way that our culture works. That which is big and flashy is the thing that is good. Everything should be a Super Bowl halftime show or it is worthless. But we are challenged by these parables to think back to where we've come from and to remember the kingdom grows humbly. The kingdom is like a little tiny mustard seed. Have you seen, have you held a mustard seed before? They are so, so small. If you had some in your hand and you you breathed too heavily, you would scatter them. They're so tiny. And Jesus says, from this little, little, tiny seed comes this great big bush tree thing. The kingdom grows humbly, but it doesn't just grow humbly, it grows slowly. So Jesus says, the kingdom is like one of these little, humble seeds placed in the ground and then it slowly pops up stage by stage. And this, I think, is especially important because we do not live in a world that abides slow growth of any kind. We mark the viability, the popularity, the strength of something by how quickly it goes from an idea to a viral post. How fast can it go from merely being mentioned to everyone being, to seeing it? We think along the lines of memes. And memes are not just pictures that you see on the internet. It's, it's referencing mimetic uh, behaviors in nature. That these things become things that are rapidly reproduced in nature. And we think that this is how the kingdom should work. But I want to encourage you this morning that the kingdom grows slowly so that you would look at, one, your own life and maybe take heart that things are not quite so bad as they seem. You know, I, I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember. I don't remember a time in my life where I wasn't, where I didn't know God and have a relationship with him to whatever degree I could as a little kid and upwards. And so many times I look at my own life and I think I should be much further along than I am. 
I mean, I'm 32. I should, I should have this figured out. I've been married for 11 years, over a decade, a whole one decade. I should have marriage figured out. I've been a father for nine and a half years, and I still haven't gotten it right. And it's so tempting to look at all the ways that you and I fall far short of where we think we should be as kingdom citizens, kingdom residents, and to feel like something is wrong with me. The darkness has not been banished from my heart. I still have to pay attention to my thoughts, to control them, to to beat back the impulsivity, the anger, the frustration, the lust, the impatience. It feels like this is taking forever. But I think Jesus prepares us for this. Because he doesn't say, the kingdom is like a man who puts a seed in the ground and he turns around and he forgets something and he turns back around and boom, there's a giant harvest there. Overnight, instant success. He says, the kingdom is like this slow growth from shoot to blade to ear to full grain. If you're, if you're here this morning and you are weighed down by the ponderous pace of change in your life, there is not something wrong with you. There are people who come into the kingdom and they are just radically and instantaneously changed in many areas of their life. Those people are the exception. They are not the norm. And yes, I wish I was not normal. I wish that I would just be, I mean, I already know I'm not normal, but I wish in that way that I was not normal, that I could just suddenly be fixed and just be a better person and be a better father. And if you feel that way, you should know that the kingdom has not failed in you. In fact, this is why you need other people in your life. You need other people not just to push you further down the road, but to help you when you get to these times in your life and you feel like you are just not changing. Because they can stop and they can hold your hand and they can look back with you. And they can see, say, see? Look how far you've come. You are different from what you thought you were. For me, the person who does this best in my life is my wife. Because I feel like the same person. I feel like I just graduated Montreat like two weeks ago. And it was 11 years ago. And I feel like I I still am exactly on the same ladder. But my wife is the one who, who sees me a lot of times better than I see me. And she is able to tell me, look here how you are more patient and more disciplined than you were before. The kingdom has been growing in me, but I oftentimes lose sight of it for the pace of it. This matters not just for us inside of ourselves, but it matters for us as a people too. The kingdom grows slowly outside of here. It's not just about how we change and develop as people. It is how God is transforming the world slowly. 
The kingdom is growing in, in ways that oftentimes we can't see because how slowly it is moving outside of our borders. And if we think that we're going to be involved in kingdom work, and if we think that it's just going to be an overnight thing, we're going to do one event and the world will be changed, you know, our, our, our mission statement here at Valley Hope is we want to see the kingdom of God transform the Swananoa Valley. And if we think that if we could come up with the perfect event and we'll do that event and then the kingdom of God will, boom, be changed, like it'll change the Swananoa Valley. One event and done. Maybe one a year. Maybe two a year, but that's it. If we think that that's how it's going to work, we're crazy. What we have to be committed to is living in the, and dying in this Swananoa Valley. Of finding all of these borderlands of where the governance of God runs up against the governance of the kingdom of man. And we have to commit ourselves to slowly inching along and pushing out the boundaries of the kingdom of God. Finding the places where darkness consumes people. And slowly, slowly, one by one, introducing them to the good King Jesus, the good King of the kingdom. I was thinking about this and I was thinking about how we've seen this in our valley. And I thought of what Christ Community has done with their Lunch Buddies program in the primary school. And some of, some of our folks are involved in that. And if you don't know, what they decided to do is just to offer people once a week to go and have lunch with a student at the primary school. That's it. And the students could volunteer themselves. It wasn't like they picked the worst kids and made them go to lunch or something like that. Parents volunteered their kids. And you know, they're, as far as I know, nobody showed up on the first day and changed the life of those kids in one lunch. And and after a whole school year of having lunch one-on-one with those kids or just hanging out with them at their lunch table, I don't know how many of those kids, maybe zero would say, my life has been changed. They, They may not be able to discern any sort of difference in their life. I don't know. But at the end of a school year, the school could say something changed. At the end of the school year, they decided, for example, that the Black Mountain Police Department should be a part of Lunch Buddies and add more participants so that more kids could have lunch. And the the principal was able to look and see what was going on over the slow, once a week, humble, activity of having lunch with one kid in the primary school and recognize that something was changing in the school. Nothing, and, and nothing has been like there's no trumpet that sounded and lights have gone off and say, boom, we're done. The kingdom has transformed the school. Everybody go home. We did it. They're still on like step two of 2,000 of seeing the kingdom of God transform the primary school by just offering friendship between adults and children in the community so the kids would know that they're loved and cared for. That kind of activity, that kind of means of transformation is slow, but that is kingdom transformation. 
And if you and I cannot identify places in our own lives, we are giving ourselves to the slow growth of the kingdom outside of our own personal transformation, then we are missing out on what Jesus says is the nature of the kingdom. So the kingdom grows humbly and it grows slowly, but the kingdom also grows surely. Jesus says that the kingdom grows as a man who throws the seed in the ground and he walks away absolutely convinced that in time there will be something there. And he doesn't even know how it'll be there. Now, you are not supposed to read this and say, well, let me tell you how the seed grows. It germinates and it puts out little shoots. That's not the point of the parable. The point is, the, the farmer never thinks about whether it will grow. He just knows that it will work because that's how seed works and that's how soil works. That's how rain and sunshine together on that place will bring forth fruit. And Jesus says that is the way the kingdom works as well. And this is a great comfort and encouragement to us. If if you are trapped in this battle against yourself, unsure of how the kingdom identity will ever be fully imprinted on you, how are you ever going to grow up into this kingdom adult? It is because of the nature of the kingdom that Paul is able to write to the Philippians that God will complete the work that He's begun in you. He will finish what He started. So you can feel stuck in the mud for a long time. And if if this was a a self-help curriculum, you would need to be a little concerned. You need to get on board and you better figure out some way to fix this. But this is not self-help curriculum. This is the kingdom of God. And God does not abandon His people. God does not give up on His people. And God does this by His own power and might, apart from our knowledge and proficiency. In other words, you don't know, have to understand always how the seed is going to sprout into fruit in your life. But at some point, you'll be able to stop and say, a miracle has happened. And God has changed this little corner of my life. And I, I know, I'm not even sure what the next corner will be. And this is the way that God changes cultures, God changes societies, God changes the world. The kingdom of God will bear fruit. It will work slowly over time and in unexpected ways to fill the whole earth. You know, we are, we are seeing strange stories come out of unexpected places where it's very clear that God is advancing His own kingdom in ways that we could not manage or control. More than in any other time in history, we are seeing people come out of regions without any contact with the gospel. 
who are saying that they are having dreams. And Jesus is coming to them in their dreams and preaching the gospel to them. And they're becoming Christians without ever having access to the gospel. Or they're going to, to sleep and they're having dreams and Jesus will come to them and say, go talk to such and such person in such and such a village. And that turns out to be the only Christian they could ever meet in their life. And that person brings them to faith. This is happening in the Middle East like crazy. There's nothing that we can do to contrive or control or arrange that experience. But God is on the move in places before we are oftentimes. And there are many of us who know people in our own lives where we look at what's going on with them and we just say, I don't know how, but God is after this person. Many of us have, have stories where we say this person or that person is written off. There's nothing that I could do to, to reach them with the gospel. And then all of a sudden, they become the questioner. They want to be the one who initiates the conversation and asks, what is going on with Jesus? I've seen this recently in my own life. People pursuing this conversation more than I am. They're like evangelizing themselves before I can even muster up the intelligence or courage to do it myself. Because the kingdom grows surely. The kingdom will grow to fill the whole earth. It's going to happen. Now, here's what that means. This is not your invitation to say, Jesus, take the wheel. Go ahead and do your thing. I'm just going to wait over here and watch. Because the way that God wants to grow the kingdom, slowly, humbly, is through His people. The ordinary means of the kingdom growing is people, you and I, participating in the growth of the kingdom. So if you, you are sitting in your own sort of sideline seat in your life and saying like, that, that's something that somebody should do uh, somebody should befriend my neighbor. Somebody should take care of the poor. Somebody should get involved at Owen Middle School. But that person is never me. That is a problem. God intends His kingdom not to stay stagnant, but to grow. And you are part of the plan. You are. Me and you. Jesus' main plan, His primary plan, is the church. If you, if you would like to know what God's plan is for your life, I can't give you all the details, but I can tell you this. You need to be a part of a church. And you need to get on board with your church. And you need to go on mission with your church. Because your church, the church, is God's Plan A, B, and C for changing the world and extending the governance of God. Church was never meant to be a place where we hear stories about the kingdom and do our little color sheets and go home. Church is meant to be the place where we go to the borderlands of the kingdom. We go together 
and extend the loving fellowship of Jesus to those people who are cut off from it because of sin inside them and sin done to them. This can seem scary. It may seem like you have to put yourself out there. It may seem like this could be awkward. I don't know how to say the right things. And Jesus is telling you in these parables, you, you, humble, awkward, incompetent person, you are the kind of person that God loves to choose. You are the kind of person that Jesus hung out with. And you, humble, awkward, busy, tired, stressed out, confused person, through you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom will grow. You cannot stop it because of how incompetent you feel you are. Do not rule yourself from kingdom growth. Join in to what God is doing in the world, expanding the rule of God, the joyful reign of King Jesus. Join in and trust that He's going to do what He said He would do. Join in and trust that no matter how humble your means, no matter how little you feel you can offer, no matter how slow you feel the going is, join in to kingdom growth and get ready to watch God do what He said He would do. The biggest piece of convincing I can give you is to look at the big C church that started with these fishermen from redneck territory in a little tiny province in the Roman Empire full of uneducated, ill-equipped people who did nothing except faithfully follow Jesus in preaching the Word and in loving people that everybody else felt unlovable and then spread to subvert and change a Roman Empire. And all I can tell you is what I've seen in this church. I've seen what... Look, I don't know a more humble origin of a church than ours. We were mostly a bunch of college students and people who had given up on church in a little tiny little bar that doesn't exist anymore in Black Mountain. I don't know a more incompetent group of leaders than what we were And I cannot point to anything about me or any one of those leaders that have helped us in this last, whatever, 12, 13 years and say, man, look how awesome and proficient they were. I would start with myself and tell you how bad I am at a number of things. Yet all I can tell you is I can point to story after story of people in this church who have seen their lives changed and transformed by the power of God. Wherever you are, wherever you are going, get in the game. Get off the bench and give yourself over to the growth of this kingdom. If your seed is this small, throw it in the ground and watch God cause it to bear fruit. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we we thank you for these little stories, but uh, more than that, we thank you for 
what it means behind these little stories. Your kingdom grows humbly, slowly, and surely. And God, we take great comfort in that. We are, we are not experts. We are often, by admission, incompetent failures. We want to get better. We want to get better. But God, our hope is ultimately in You. Our hope is in You, the King of the kingdom. God, I pray that uh, those who are here who are, who are frustrated and beaten down and worn down by how long it takes for them to see change in their life, I pray that they will take comfort from knowing that your kingdom does grow slowly and they're not excluded just because of how long it's taking them. But you will bring to completion the work that you've, you've begun. And God, we look at our valley and we can see so many places where we know the gospel is needed. We know that there's so many places where, where the poor are, are not being fed and the naked are not clothed, where there is injustice that runs rampant, where things are done in darkness and no one knows. And God, we know that your kingdom needs to go there. Help us to be faithful participants. Help us to be people who go with you in the name of Jesus to those kinds of places. God, our, our hope and our trust is in you. We have seen you do great things with small people. And we extend our hands to you and ask God that you would do likewise with us. Make much of yourself, Lord Jesus. Extend your kingdom to your great glory and to our good. Amen.